What's going on guys? Welcome back to the show. Today we're talking about periodization for hypertrophy. There's a lot of talk in the hypertrophy space about periodization, about changing stimuli, about metabolic training, about fat loss programming. And I just think it's a good opportunity to give some foundational uh, knowledge and understanding on this topic. This episode, I'm not gonna be putting forth too much of my opinion on a lot of this stuff. I'm gonna be pretty general. I want this to be an understanding of the topic, some key terms. Um, you know, I'm sure that my opinion will come through a little bit, but I will do a second podcast, at least one extra podcast to kind of go through how I implement some of this stuff or not into my programming for my clients. So definitely stick around for that. Don't take every word that comes out of my mouth as if it is the be all end all. And you absolutely need to be doing all of this stuff right now. I will be giving you kind of my breakdown and how this fits into the average person's training blocks, uh, into their periodization, let's say. Uh, and kind of uh, in how you should be thinking about some of this stuff. So what we're going to go over today is what is periodization? Do we need it? If so, why? How important is it when we compare it to the other relevant variables for hypertrophy? The three branches of stimuli, what are they? And then a little bit about each. And we'll talk about how, how do you know when or if it's time to change stimulus or implement some periodization which is a huge question with a ton of needed context, but we're gonna lay some groundwork. And before we jump into this, what I will say is basically everything that I've learned um, and that we will talk about in this podcast, I learned through the N1 courses, and I think that they're massively valuable, and I'm not here to regurgitate for free those those courses. I think if you're interested in this topic, please, it is well worth the money to go take the courses, go to the practicals, um, and it's absolutely not right to just be giving away all of that information for free here when realistically I couldn't do that anyway because there's way too much information and it goes way more in depth. And so just a reminder, this is an introduction. I'm not gonna be going super in depth into the different stimuli. I'm not gonna be going super in depth into the subsets of each stimuli and how that's characterized by the programming. We're gonna be doing some broad strokes. And I guarantee you, if you don't know anything about periodization, that just the broad strokes is already gonna feel a little overwhelming. And so be glad I'm not going into more detail right now. But if you are interested, if you're a coach in this, what's your appetite and you're excited by this, you know, uh, how can I get the best results for my clients? Is this something that I wanna know more about? Please go take the courses. Like they're they're fantastic. Cassim um, explains everything really well. And so definitely get in there and it's worth the money. Um, not going to be just giving away that information for free here, but we're going to do a little bit of a foundational understanding of periodization here. So what is periodization in the context of hypertrophy? Basically, uh, organizing training blocks in a way that potentiate one another towards a certain goal or goals. It's basically how are you laying out your training blocks, you know, uh, with the understanding of having a certain goal or goals. Uh, when we talk about this in terms of hypertrophy, what we mean is potentially utilizing other forms of training other than hypertrophy, or just time spent doing something other than hypertrophy training within our greater goal of hypertrophy. Now, while we're talking about this, I want you guys to understand the idea of uh, uh, of what an opportunity cost is. Um, the question that periodization needs to answer is why would I do something other than hypertrophy if my goal is hypertrophy? And so a lot of this stuff's gonna sound super fancy, it's gonna sound cool, you're gonna see it on Instagram, it's gonna sound like, oh, I need to be doing this stuff, but just remember, like. If your goal is hypertrophy, then you should be primarily spending your time doing hypertrophy, right? The time spent doing anything else other than hypertrophy would have to potentiate greater gains over the long term than had you spent that time doing hypertrophy. And there are some reasons why that might be the case, but just remember, this isn't something that we are doing just for the sake of doing it. Uh, if your goal is hypertrophy, then primarily what you're going to be doing throughout the course of your training is hypertrophy. And you would really need to change that 
in order to change that, right? We have to ask ourselves compared to what? If we're spending weeks and months doing other training, which I'm not saying is the best way to do it, it's probably not, but let's say you were, you'd have to ask yourself, okay, <laughs> this periodization thing is cool, but like I could have been doing hypertrophy this time and this whole time. And so we have to ask that question compared to what? And so what are my thoughts on that? Um, that is gonna be saved for a second episode. That's not necessarily what today's about. I'll drop some thoughts in as we go. It's gonna be hard to take my opinion entirely out of it, but I'll do another podcast on how I practically implement or don't implement some of this stuff in my programming for clients and why. Cool, so back to kind of what is periodization. An example of this would be, imagine your goal is hypertrophy. That's your main goal. You wanna get as jacked as possible. You wanna build muscle. And you may do more of a neuro or strength block once in a while, let's say. And what would the point of doing that be? It would be because doing this neuro phase, let's say, and we'll talk about what that is, um, you would be gaining certain neurological adaptations that when you go back to hypertrophy would help you. And we use the word potentiate, meaning it would make something better later. It would help something that you're gonna do in the future. And so you might use periodization as a way to gain some of these adaptations that when you go back to hypertrophy, they will benefit you and potentiate greater hypertrophy. But to reiterate, just remember any time spent away from hypertrophy needs to be better for hypertrophy than had you just spent that time doing hypertrophy. And so we need to find what is the right balance of taking a step away from hypertrophy to get certain adaptations potentially or resensitize uh, compared to if you just continue doing hypertrophy. So the three main stimuli that we're gonna talk about are metabolic training, hypertrophy training, and neurological training. And I'm not gonna do a full breakdown here. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about each one. I promise I'll give a little bit of the characteristics of the three. But man, I do value what the N1 courses bring and it's not right to recreate their courses in podcast form here for free. So I'm not doing a deep dive on any of that stuff. We'll talk a little bit about them. I want you guys to have a foundational understanding um, and I'm gonna whet your appetite a little bit and we'll set the scene, but this is not the time or the place to be kind of regurgitating those courses. Cool. Next question is, do we need it? Do we need periodization? And if so, why? The answer is yes, we do. Absolutely 100% need some form of periodization. What I mean is you can't train you can't do the same exact program with the same reps and same sets forever without taking a break to drop fatigue and resensitize to that stimulus. Like you can't train forever on the same program without ever taking a break. And so by definition, we need some form of periodization. We're gonna need some form of occasionally doing something else. What that something else is, right? Periodization technically does include the use of traditional deloads. A lot of you guys must have heard me just say drop fatigue and resensitize and thought to yourself, well, Traditional deloads where I take a step back from training and do potentially less stimulative training, more recovery training, or just take some time straight up out of the gym does accomplish dropping fatigue and resensitizing. So if you're doing traditional deloads, you are already doing some form of, high, of periodization because you are recognizing that occasionally doing something else, in this case, a traditional deload, is necessary to get optimal goals for a certain stimulus over time. You cannot adapt to the same stimulus over and over and over and over forever. Right, The more, you know, Coach Kasim uses the term trainability, which means essentially the more you train for a certain adaptation, the higher the threshold for you to get more adaptations of that stimuli, right? So the, the more you train for hypertrophy without ever taking a step back, which traditional deloads would accomplish, um, the more you'll eventually have to train to continue getting hypertrophy adaptations. And so you can't do that forever, right? The trainability goes down over time if you don't take a break. The threshold of, of the level of stimuli you need to get a certain adaptation goes up if you never take a break, right? Cool. 
Um, and remember, since our goal is hypertrophy, we, we do want to be doing, again, we're talking about this in the context of like physiological optimality. You know, this discussion of, you know, does periodization in, in um, like, you know, uh, put some fun into the program? Does it have an emotional component where it makes your training more enjoyable? Those are all relevant topics, 100%. They're just not what we're talking about today. Um, that is something that we will talk about in a future podcast because I do think that that is one of the benefits of having some periodization is is the fun component of doing something different, the the intellectual novelty, the novel stimuli, um, both physiologically but also psychologically. But it's not something we're going to talk about right now. So remember, if your goal is hypertrophy and maximizing hypertrophy, you're going to want to be doing as much hypertrophy as possible. And there would have to be something that indicates the need for a change. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about what those might be in a bit. Um and that is to say that we should be using periodization or the pursuits of other stimuli, other adaptations on a needs basis, not something we're doing necessarily because it sounds fancy. Again, if you're doing it because for like a fun reason or for like a, just to stay stimulated, that's a different story and that's relevant, but not something we're going to talk about today. So how important is periodization? Where does periodization fall on this like hierarchy of importance when it comes to training variables? Um... Not very high, frankly. I mean, if we look at the other training variables, volume, relative intensity, like if we're talking about the things that make you get good gains, uh, it's going to come down to volume, relative intensity, getting close to failure, uh, eating enough calories, eating enough protein, sleep, uh, you know, good exercise selection and execution, consistency over the long term. Whether or not your training program has periodization isn't, you know, one of the top 10 things I would look for in a good program. Now, they're not mutually exclusive. I think it's important to just not put your periodization at the bottom and assume that you need to have all the other things in check first before you can worry about periodization. That's not true. You, they're not mutually exclusive. You can also think about periodization as you're getting the other things in check. Like, I want to be fair here. This isn't like, um, don't worry about periodization unless you have until you have every single other thing in check. Now, unfortunately, the human brain kind of does work that way sometimes. Sometimes we get caught up in minutia at the cost of other things. You know, we miss the forest for the trees. And so that can happen. And if you are kind of like, listen, if you're out there listening to this podcast and you're like, man, I'm, my results haven't been so great lately, it's almost certainly not the place I would look. It's probably not. If you're coming to me and be like, hey, man, I haven't really had any results in, you know, my results haven't been really great in a while. I'm going to ask you about 15 different questions before we're going to talk about periodization. But again, it's not mutually exclusive. If you take a really great program with no periodization and another equally great program that has periodization, I'll take the one that has some periodization to it, obviously. Um, and obviously, it's not those two, just those two options, right? It's not like, a you know, um, you know, I wrote here in my notes, like a decent program done with good effort and no periodization will outperform any fancy periodization without the required effort or consistency. But again, that kind of is a false dichotomy. It's not just those two options. You can also learn about periodization as you're getting your other variables in check. I just hate to see the missing of the forest for the trees where people are asking me, you know, do I need metabolic training? When in reality, this is like the last thing that you need this is like on the the lowest thing on the totem pole of the things that you need for the goal that you have. Um, and so as long as you're not missing the forest for the trees and you're kind of maybe doing all of these, these things together and recognizing the ROI on certain pursuits, like learning more about hypertrophy, uh, learning more about periodization, implementing periodization, I think you're good to go. Just remember where it falls in the, in the hierarchy here. It's not very meaningful compared to a lot of these other, um, variables here. Now, now what I will say really quickly, just to kind of amend what I'm talking about here is, Periodization in the sense of um, 
occasionally taking a step away from hypertrophy to resensitize and drop fatigue is very important. Like we said, if you don't do that, you will eventually stop making gains, probably lead towards overtraining. Um, but what I'm talking about is doing uh, actively pursuing other stimuli, doing metabolic training, during neurological training. Do I need to be doing sarcoplasmic hypertrophy or do I need to be doing systemic phase or mechanical damage? And like, okay, a lot of this like real nuanced stuff is at the, gonna be close to the bottom of the hierarchy here. Um, taking occasional breaks from hypertrophy, whether that's through traditional deloads or some form of like more, I would say more like N1 slash modern periodization techniques. Um, which of those you're doing isn't as important as the fact that you recognize taking a step back occasionally to drop fatigue and resensitize is important. Once you've recognized that and you've implemented some form of taking a step back every now and again, now which and how way you, how you do that becomes of little importance. Not no importance and not a meaningful importance if the other things are in check. Um, and I would say the more advanced you are, probably the more need for periodization here. So what are the three branches of stimuli you know, each of these has several subsets uh, of which really do kind of change the game here. Uh, so it doesn't really do it justice to portray them in this light, but this is an introduction to periodization. We're going to keep it light and I'm not here to recreate the N1 courses. Uh, if you're more interested in the nuances of the different stimuli and the different subsets of the stimuli, please go take the courses. Uh, it goes into way more depth. So the, so the three um, stimuli we're going to talk about are metabolic stimuli, hypertrophy, and neurological stimuli. And a couple points I want to make before we go any further. This is, I want you to imagine like a Venn diagram with, with three different uh, circles here. That's kind of what we're looking at. They're not always mutually exclusive. There are going to be metabolic uh, stimuli that also have some hypertrophy, some hypertrophy that it's also blending into metabolic, some hypertrophy that's also blending into neuro. It's rare that you'll have metabolic and neuro overlap. And so I would more so think of them as like a linear uh, Venn diagram here. Um, not so much like three things that overlapping that have like one special middle with everything. It's likely more of like a horizontal linear um, Venn diagram here. If you're new to resistance training, let me be very clear. When I say new to resistance training, I mean not very advanced. It's very likely you're getting all of these adaptations by doing hypertrophy training. You probably get all of these adaptations. First of all, you get all of these adaptations all the time if we're being technical. It's about uh, which of them you're getting more of. There's always some neurological efficiency that's built. So there's always some hypertrophy, let's say. Um, but it's gonna be relative to the style of training you're doing, but also how trainable that stimuli is for you, basically how new you are to that or how sensitive you are to that stimulus. So if you're new to resistance training across the board and you start doing hypertrophy training, you will get some of the benefits of metabolic training. You will get better neurological efficiency and you'll obviously get an F load of hypertrophy. And so if you're new to resistance training, it's not that periodization is not important at all or provides zero benefit. It's just that everything is so trainable for you. The threshold for adaptations is so low for you that you're gonna get all these adaptations if you just do some hypertrophy training. So cool. Now, if your goal is one of these, you should spend the vast majority of your time training that adaptation. This isn't ring around the rosy. This isn't pick out of a hat. If you have a, if you're a strength athlete, you're going to be doing neurological training most of the time. If you're looking to, you know, uh, build muscle and, you know, maximize hypertrophy, you're going to be doing hypertrophy most of the time. And we will talk in another podcast that like, okay, I work primarily with people who are pursuing hypertrophy goals. So how do I manage these other two stimuli? How do I get the most out of those two um, while reminding myself that the majority of what I should be doing is hypertrophy training if my goal is hypertrophy, right? Um, again, moving forward into this description of the three stimuli, these are gonna be pretty general descriptions, so just do bear that in mind. Um, when we look at metabolic training, on average, we're gonna be looking at more reps shorter rest and lower loads, which again, kind of pains me to say because certain subsets of metabolic don't abide by these rules or at least not wholly. Um, 
Some of the benefits of metabolic training would be in, would be nutrient better nutrient partitioning, uh, mitochondrial health, tolerance to training volume, cardiovascular conditioning, um, and again, which of those you know nutrient partitioning or mitochondrial health or tolerance to volume or cardiovascular conditioning, um, you could get more of one of those or several of those depending on which subset of metabolic training that you do. Uh, some of the rep schemes or kind of styles of training that you might see in metabolic training would be more supersets, more giant sets, more higher density training, more circuit training, maybe more short position work and uh, some shorter rest, you know, incomplete rest method sort of stuff. Um, I think metabolic training, actually, when I think about it, has the most differences between the subsets where like metabolic by itself doesn't tell us a whole lot because you could be doing something on one end of the metabolic spectrum and something else on the other end of the metabolic spectrum and they're very different. And so just at least to me, they have the most differences between them. So kind of this description isn't super, super helpful since you could be doing uh, some subset of metabolic training that looks very different from another subset. But nonetheless, basic foundational understanding. Metabolic training, again, is good for nutrient partitioning, mitochondrial health, better tolerance to training volume and cardiovascular conditioning, and usually has you know some combination or semblance of supersets, higher density or circuit training, uh, lower rest, maybe more short position work. Uh, a lot of people will say, you know, metabolic training is best for fat loss. That is a question we will address in another another podcast. I would say, I suppose, just to whet your appetite, that I don't wholly agree with that, or at least don't agree with kind of the how important or how big, a, uh, how high of a pedestal that that sentence has put been put on lately. Um, I think that there's way more that goes into success in muscle retention and fat loss than what stimulus of training you're doing. But okay, nonetheless, something we'll address in another podcast. The next stimulus would be a neurological uh, stimulus or doing a neurological phase, let's say, and usually this is characterized at least generally by less reps, higher loads, and longer rest. Uh, goals would be to improve power, speed, strength, and coordination. Um, and an example of, you know, something might be more of like a pyramid style or something that would be classified as like a descending rep, ascending load where, you know, you could, some people have done pyramid style training before where you're doing something like a 12, 10, 8, 6 or a 10, 8, 6, 4 or something like that um, leading up to heavier, lower rep sets. And then we have hypertrophy, which is kind of in the middle of both where we have a moderate amount of those things, a moderate reps and load and rest with our goal of building muscle. Uh, we do that through maximizing tension on the muscle via straight sets and sometimes short to lengthen supersets. And again, there's a, a lot of... Uh, subsets of each of these. So I, I cringe a little bit as I kind of write some of these notes because there are certain, you know, subsets of hypertrophy training that might um, not break, but bend or shift some of these rules. For hypertrophy, you you are going to be generally doing a good amount of work in the lengthened position since we do know that um, that stretching that muscle under load, working the muscle in its lengthened position probably or at this point definitively, um, gives us more hypertrophy than working in the short position. Again, that doesn't mean we don't work in the short position. It just means that if you're in a hypertrophy phase, chances are you're gonna be doing a good amount of lengthened work. Next, how do you know if you need to change or implement some periodization? Oof, this is a really tough one. I think um, I'm gonna have more to say on another podcast here, but I'd say generally the big point I wanna make is that you should be doing this on a needs basis. If your goal is hypertrophy, you should be doing that until something tells you not to. And remember, implementing some periodization might just mean taking a traditional deload. This is not, we're not throwing that out of the of the realm of, of choices that you have. I think traditional deloads work wonderfully. Still use them a ton, um, almost primarily, I'd say, for most people. Um, 
And yes, if your goal is hypertrophy, that is something you should be doing until something tells you not to. Um, that's the main point here. This isn't something you're doing because it's cool or fancy or flexes your new knowledge. Um, again, if it is something that you're doing for those reasons, that's fine, but we are not kind of talking about the emotional side here, which is cool and totally relevant. We're talking about like physiologically, when do I need some periodization? Well, you need it when your biofeedback tells you you need it. You don't need it um, be just because, let's say. Uh, most people listening to this and working with me have way more important fish to fry before they get to a point where they're like, oh my God, you know, it's cha ch changing it up is really what I need to continue to push progress. Like 99% of people listening to this need to focus more on sticking to the same program more often. Like people usually need to change stuff less and focus more on effort and progressive overload and proper execution. Um, there was a post by, I think it was Annie Miller, and she was saying, imagine trying to progressively overload but changing everything uh, changing your whole program every block, you know, or change your whole program every four weeks. And it, it is uh, something that I, I want to kind of lean into more. It's like you, a lot of people think of progressive overload on a week-to-week -week basis, and that's cool. But um, a lot of times, you know, the best progressive overload is probably going to happen from like block to block. And if you're doing glute bridges for four to six weeks, and then you don't do them again for eight to 10 weeks or something, and then you do them again, it's going to be difficult to kind of really pick up and continue to progressively overload. Not impossible, but doing more of the same stuff and less changing shit up all the time is what most people need. And so all of this talk about periodization, I think that there is a, there's absolutely a place for it. Um, I will utilize it. I do utilize it. But there's also an element of like, okay, utilize it how? Do we utilize it every single block? Do we change something up every single time? Like, no, you, you don't. Um, we do recognize that you can't adapt to st the same stimulus forever, or even more practically that the threshold for adaptation goes up so high that continuing to hammer that same that same program forever without ever taking a deload or a break or some other stimuli isn't really a practically good route to take. Um, so what I'll say, kind of just summing this portion up is that sometimes it's really tough to get accurate biofeedback from clients. So I just kind of said that, you know, we really want our biofeedback. We really want like actual tangible things to be guiding us along this route of periodization. Like I, you don't go from doing hypertrophy to neurological training unless you've identified a reason to do so. Like there's no reason to go do neurological training for the fuck of it. Like there's, you should be moving between these stimuli or periodizing, periodizing your programming based on needs, based on some indication that you need to be doing that or would benefit from doing that. Um, but sometimes it is tough to get super accurate biofeedback from clients who also have a ton of other stuff going on that's affecting their performance. So we can be a little proactive with our use of some form of periodization, but I still think it's so important to stress that this isn't something you're doing for the sake of it. Like, you know, this isn't something you're just doing because, oh, you did a, you know, uh, you did this style of program, so this one's next because this is what you do next. You know, it should be, you know, if you have a client who's doing really great with with their hypertrophy programming and, you know, they are, they do it, let's say a more traditional deload and they pick up and they can continue working hard in that periodization, in, in that hypertrophy programming and their performance is going up and they're seeing good results and they're feeling good you don't change anything. Like I'm not saying you don't change anything at all, but you don't take a massive turn to a totally different stimulus just because, oh, this is like, you know, this is what, you know, what I should be doing next. No, you should be doing something that matches what the current goal you have, that that references how you're feeling, your biofeedback, your performance, your joint health. Um, you should be making these changes on a needs basis. So if you're out there and you're thinking, why, well, we gotta be changing something up, uh, why? I want to hear why. What has indicated to you as to why you need to do that? Not because somebody else said that you probably need to do this uh, or you heard that this was a cool thing to do. Like we need to have a reason to be doing this stuff. Um, and it is difficult sometimes to get that 
really accurate biofeedback from clients. And so there is some element of coaches being a little bit proactive, which I'm okay with. Um, I understand I, I deal with gen pop clients all the time. And so, um, you know, getting the most accurate feedback on exactly how the sessions are going and how they're feeling and how they're recovering is not necessarily practical with the average person's lifestyle who deals with just normal day-to-day shit. Um, and so some amount of proactivity I'm okay with. And we'll talk about that a little bit more before I get carried away. Like I said, I'll give more of my thoughts and opinions on how I use or don't use this stuff in another episode. So some key takeaways, a little bit of a summary, keep it short. Um, definitely didn't want to go too deep today. Hopefully we're at 25, 23 minutes or so. So it didn't go too crazy, which I'm pretty happy about. Um, Periodization would be organizing your training blocks in a way that potentiate one another towards a goal or end goals. Um, the need for periodization, recognizing that uh, recognizes that you can't adapt to the same stimulus forever without taking a break or a step back to drop fatigue and resensitize to that stimulus. You know, there's lots of talk of like changing stimulus, but just a reminder that that's not the only option. If you are doing traditional style deloads, that already is periodization. You are using those deloads to drop fatigue and resensitize, right? Periodization just means the recognition of potentially breaking up that goal. Um, even if you have one end goal, you might occasionally do something that's not hypertrophy, like deloading, or potentially another stimuli uh, in the greater kind of um, pursuit of hypertrophy. Um, in the scheme of things, this isn't anywhere near the most important when it comes to the things that you can do to improve your gains, but that doesn't mean you can't also recognize uh, that periodization is important. And if you are not getting the gains that you want, uh, I will definitely look in other places first, but you know, eventually if all boxes are checked, we will get to this discussion of, well, when's the last time you deloaded? Um, how long have you been doing the same program without changing stuff up? How's your performance been? And we'll kind of get, go down this route of maybe there's a periodization need here. Um, the three branches of stimuli would be metabolic, hypertrophy, and neuro, all of which kind of create this, a little bit of this like three-part Venn diagram where there is certainly a good amount of overlap. If you're new to training, Everything is so trainable for you that if you do hypertrophy training, let's say, you get a lot of all the stimuli because everything is so new. But as you get more advanced at any of these stimuli, maybe the need for shifting or the need for periodization, which again could be traditional deloads, does go up. It's like, you know, a, a novice probably doesn't need to be deloading as frequently, um, doesn't need to be changing stimuli certainly as frequently. And so that's something we could talk about another time. Um, just a reminder, any time spent away from hypertrophy training needs to be weighed up against time you could have spent doing hypertrophy. Uh, and so just remember there's an opportunity cost. And so, you know, it might sound fancy to be doing a whole bunch of different things, but just remember that that's time spent away from doing what might cause more hypertrophy in that moment. Again, periodization would say that we recognize that, but by doing this sort of training, we will potentiate greater gains later. And so that's a question that periodization attempts to answer, which I think that there's a lot of relevant information on that. Um, and there's a lot of potential credence there where it could do that. Yeah, it could do that. Um, depending on how do you, how you utilize it and for who and in what situation and a, a, an F ton of context. Um, yeah. And that's about it for today. I think I'm going to go into a little bit more practical, how I've used this with gen pop clients, uh, my group, and how to maybe get the most bang for your buck with, with periodization and maybe how changing stimuli weighs up against traditional deloads. Those can be things that we talk about in the future. All right, talk to you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you liked the episode, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media or left a five-star review on iTunes. That stuff really helps. If you ever want to get in touch with me, just shoot me a DM on Instagram, at Jordan Lips Fitness. I'm always around to chat. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.